Hello and welcome to the Osborne Clark Mobility as a Service podcast, a podcast looking at recent trends in mobility as a service, or MASS. In this episode, we're going to delve into the money side of MASS and we'll be discussing what is driving investment in the industry, as well as potential trends to look out for in the future. I'm joined by two Osborne Clark corporate lawyers, Will Nicholson, a private equity lawyer in our London office, and Till Saw, a corporate partner in our Berlin office, specialising in venture capital investments. Will and Till, that has quite a ring to it. If this one goes well, perhaps they should start their own podcast series. So Will, before we start looking at some of the current trends in the mass investment landscape, can you tell us a bit about what the shift from traditional transport networks to mass has done for investment in the sector more generally? Yeah, sure. So in short, I think the traditional view of transport investment has largely been thrown out the window. Previously, the focus has been on investment in original equipment manufacturers or OEMs or the transport operators. And those businesses are generally very capital intensive, difficult to scale, they're highly exposed to changes in government policy. And all of those are big turnoffs for providers of private capital who are looking to make a return over a relatively short time frame. So what Mass has done really is, is it's moved the focus away from vehicle ownership and standalone public transport options. And it's instead offers multiple modes of transport on demand through a single application. And in doing that, it has really opened the eyes of investors to the other services that go into getting people and things around. I'm talking about things like ticketing, mapping, insurance, fleet tracking, data analytics, all of those sort of things, much less capital intensive, much easier to scale. And that has really given investors a much greater choice and and increased inflexibility to invest in parts of the transport network, uh, which suit their risk appetite and their investment strategy. And I mean, really to take the overall picture, I think what Matt has done is it's really demonstrated you don't need to own a factory or in fact any vehicles at all to make money out of people's journeys. That's really interesting background, uh, Will. And um, it makes me think that since since the pandemic, since COVID-19's hit though, we've all been a lot less mobile. Um, so turning to Till, what do you think that means for the for the VC market and for maths? COVID um, was quite obviously a, a major setback for investments in all sorts of mobility companies, um, leading, for example, in Germany uh, to the withdrawal of Coop from the German market in, in 2020. Um, Coop was a very promising e-mobile sharing company that was founded originally as a subsidiary of the German OEM Bosch. But by now, VC investments into mobility companies have fully recovered, I would say, and now even exceed pre-COVID levels, which has also to do with the general development on the VC market, which has which has um, significantly increased, or the, the VC market has significantly increased um, in the last years here in Germany. But with regard to mass, COVID fostered also a transition in consumer behavior that apparently also affected the investment strategies of the VCs. For such means of transports that passengers typically use in close physical proximity to other passengers, investments have declined, whereas individual private means of transports enjoy heavy funding. 
For example, ride-sharing ride services like Clever Shuttle here in uh, Germany cease doing business in many German cities. But platforms that are offering, that are offering uh, individual mobility services onboarded thousands of new customers every week. Great, great example, Tier. Tier started also as a classic e-scooter sharing company. And after Coop went out of business, they simply acquired the entire e-mobit fleet of Coop. Shortly thereafter, they started adding e-bikes to their services and closed two major financing rounds in 2020 and 2021 with uh, SoftBank as lead investor. Their most recent valuation was at approximately $2 billion. That um, uh, shows a lot of um, change in the, in the sector and adaptation to, to current constraints with, with uh, the pandemic. Um, but putting COVID to one side, if that's possible, Will, what other trends are we seeing in, in the mass investment market? Yeah, I mean, it's quite extraordinary, really, because despite COVID, as, as Till has mentioned, we are really seeing a lot of appetite for uh, investment in the area. And, and some of the valuations for mass platforms in particular are actually quite staggering when you consider how young the industry is as a, as a whole. And in addition to the, to the tier fundraising, Till just mentioned Bolt, who are an Estonian mass super platform, as they're called, just raised 628 million euros at a valuation of 7.4 billion euros. And uh, it was now actually a couple of years ago, but in the, in the sort of height of the, the pandemic in, in 2020, MoveIt um, was uh, an Israeli mass platform was sold to, to Intel for, for $900 million. So we're seeing some big numbers as, as interest in the sector develops. And, and what do you think is driving those valuations? I think it's probably a couple of key things. First that springs to mind is, is data. So as the number of users on mass platforms increases, the volume and the richness of the data on the platforms is increasing exponentially. And transport authorities, amongst others, are paying good money for that data to help them make planning decisions. The data was also central to the thesis on the Intel purchase of MoveIt, who saw huge synergies with their robotic taxis program. And of course, environmental impact is very high on the agenda for institutional investors right now. And research has shown that mass is an increasingly effective way of reducing the number of journeys made by car. So what I think we're seeing here is a transformation of, of mass as, as something which was quite a neat tool for consumers to help them get around in a, in a reasonably frictionless way uh, to actually one of the, the key solutions to help us from getting to net zero. I think that's playing really well with investors. Great, great. And I think um, as, as we draw this episode to a close, I think I'm going to put, put you on the spot and ask for uh, uh, some, some crystal ball gazing and, and to think about where we're, where we're heading. So uh, over, over to Till, what, what are your tips for the trends that we can expect to see in this space in the near future? The biggest share of, of VC funding um, still flows into ground transportation. Um, I mentioned the short distance e-mobility vehicles in Berlin, but the space on the ground is obviously limited and urban air mobility seems to be an area that's uh, that might be worth uh, watching closely in the coming years. 
Germany has at least two uh, quite promising eVTOL companies in the pipeline. eVTOL are electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. And these companies, um, they sell the dream of, of affordable short distance air transportation for everyone. Um, however, the field of urban air mobility is quite obviously heavily regulated. No one really knows which company um, will be the first to get the necessary approvals to actually transport passengers. Both German competitors, Lilium and, and Volocopter, they were able to secure quite significant investment in, from various renowned investors uh, on the private market. And in 2021, they both, both took efforts to go public. Lilium had itself acquired by a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company that's listed at NASDAQ. The result, however, was, was rather disappointing and the share price declined by, by approximately 40%. And that led Volocopter um, to not even try and they um, canceled their, their plans to go public for now. And we, can, we don't know what, what their plans are now. So this is, um, in my view, that's a perfect example that shows that urban air mobility um, has still some challenges to face before the market shows its full potential, but the potential is definitely there. Brilliant. And um, so all that remains now is for me to thank you both, Will and Hill, for that really interesting overview of uh, investment trends uh, in, in the mobility as a service space. And we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Osborne Clark Mobility as a Service podcast. Please remember that there are other episodes in our archives that are worth listening to about uh, the data aspects of mass intellectual property and um, focus on various markets, including um, India and the UK. If you have an idea or would like to be interviewed or take part in the podcast, please do reach out to any of us. Thank you very much.